All right, welcome to the live draft reaction edition of the Grizzden podcast. We got a crew in the house here, so if you hear some background noise, um, you know we're all we're all getting ready for either the longest night with nothing happening or something crazy. But where we really need to start is last night. Obviously, you know, 11 p.m., which was midnight Eastern, there was a deadline for Chris Stapps Porzingis to opt into a player option, and what we didn't realize was that was going to change everything for the Grizzlies. And talks had broken down when there was a three-team deal in place between the Wizards, Celtics, and Clippers. Clippers backed out because Malcolm Brogdon was initially in the trade, so the Clippers and the Celtics were looking for a way to salvage the deal, needed a third team, and the Grizzlies swooped in. And so Tyus Jones, no longer Memphis Grizzly, and we got the alert that Marcus Smart had been traded from the Celtics. And then about five minutes later, we got another report that was the Grizzlies are trading the number 25 pick in this draft as well as the Golden State 2024 pick. Kraft, when that news came through, what was your very first reaction? Uh, the first reaction was excitement for the fact that Marcus Smart was a Grizzly. It felt like a predestined thing ever since uh, I saw him in college and then obviously when he played for the Celtics uh, that he just he fit all those profiles so I was excited about that uh, the other the initial reaction was a little bit of surprise that it took two first round draft picks uh, and Tyus to get him so that was the thing that I think took a little while to process that I've eventually have come around on and we can talk about that later but uh, but that was the initial was I was very excited and then uh, quickly for me the biggest thing about the Marcus Smart acquisition was it kind of combined sort of replacing Dylan with a guy who also can fill in for for what Tyus brings us in the playoffs. You know, so we can talk maybe about the regular season, but for us that spending that much money on a backup point guard just does not make sense as our salary cap gets tighter. And, and honestly, we get into the tax. And so I was really excited to see that that we could basically have a guy that we can play with jaw and that can play more than just backup point guard for us in the playoffs. So that was that was my immediate kind of feel before we before we continue to talk about this, we should set the scene right now. The first three picks have happened. Victor went one. Brandon Miller went two to Charlotte and Scoot went three to Portland and we're waiting the pick is in for uh Houston so we're going to see what happens here but as we're waiting Ty what was your first reaction number one you weren't awake when it happened right I was you, not you woke up and absolutely not awake I woke up to like 30 texts from you and I had gone to bed at like 12 45 a.m like yep. I couldn't sleep because I was wired from the train same when I woke up and exactly. eventually saw I was, and, and I got to interact with both waves. Yes, <laughs> which is far from Will, the course. Then Will went to sleep on me, and then I, then <laughs> Ty came back, and eventually I had to just be like, "Well, you know, Will was more enthusiastic about it than I am, so go check his, <laughs> go back, go back to the his texts." And I did. Uh, yeah, I don't remember when I first crashed. Maybe you can find the actual like time time slot on the text receipts. I want to say it was, it was definitely after one. It was yeah. late. I think that's right. Um, I got, you know, children that occasionally will wake you up every now and then. So that's what caused it. And then I decided to check 
my phone just to see and there it is i had a bunch of texts from the grizzden crew a bunch of texts from other people uh so half awake 12:56 a.m. Oh, actually that's, yeah that's earlier that. that's not that's not that bad it's before one um i think when i saw what it was it was smart obviously and then new tyus like i had kind of made up my mind but better way to say it, I think I was just surprised because I wasn't expecting him at all. I had zero inkling that Marcus Smart would be a Grizzly. I had zero inkling that the Boston Celtics would trade him. Um, it just came such out of left field to me. I was not expecting that just in no way. Um, so initially, I think I had a hard time coming to grasp it because I was like, I just don't – this is not what I had in my mind. This is not – what I was expecting personally, this is not what, of course, reports have been telling us of the type of player that we're interested in, which if you've learned anything about the Grizzlies in the last couple of years, reports are truly meaningless, regardless all aspects of what this front office does. No reason to look at a mock draft either. I, that's the reason I did not. Uh, not whatsoever. Um, so I think I was just kind of surprised. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, that's not, you know, it, it makes sense. The role he plays, kind of what Kraft, I'm not going to repeat all that, but agree to all those sentiments. But I was, again, kind of like the Golden State pick. Seems like a lot, again, because my notion coming in was that that was our maybe most valuable asset that we had left was the Golden State pick because there was so much uncertainty around Golden State and were they going to be that good, what was going to happen with Draymond, all this kind of stuff. So I think I was like, did we just give up our best tradable asset for Marcus Smart? Um, maybe. I don't know. To be determined. We'll see what the pick looks like. That's I definitely think a factor in this is how they look, what that pick ends up being. If it's in the you know mid-20s again, then not that big of a deal, right? If it's like a lottery pick, then it's like, ah, oh, that kind of hurts a little bit more. We've kind of been burned before by that Lakers pick that we got from the Pelicans, and we thought, like, oh, my gosh, what are we going to get with this? They end up keeping it because it was, I think, 10 on the dot, right? Um, so, yeah, just really uh, really surprised. Um, that was my initial reaction. Will, what were you – Will, to, to be clear, Will is like this is what he's been dreaming of for years was his reaction. I mean, he was so excited. Listen, I'm – He I'm got the, me a little bit more excited. I'm the biggest defender of this trade for a few reasons. But first, I'm going to give a disclaimer. If at the end of this offseason, after this draft, after free agency and any trades that happen, if there is a wing who can shoot and defend to an at least above-average degree that gets traded for a package – equal or less to Tyus and two future firsts, then I will be disappointed because I still think that a wing who can do both of those things is our core need. It just so happens to be the core need of just about every other team as well. And it's all, and in that case, it's the scarcest resource on the market. And we let's t go back to this past trade deadline. We did a podcast right after that when we got Luke Kennard, which is also aging really well. And at the time, people were disappointed because they were expecting a bit more but you the reports coming out about us offering four future firsts for Mikel Bridges who obviously is the archetype for what we are wanting here and 
We also have had reports of going after OG Ananobi. We even had a report earlier today, which made no sense, that we made a call to the Magic for Franz Wagner, which was like never going to happen. Uh, that's like uh, somebody making a call for Bane like two years into his career. It's just not going to happen from the Magic. And so I don't see it as a choice that the front office made where they said, we have these two options. Let's go with Marcus Smart instead of this wing. They didn't have an option. And for all the evidence that we I just laid out. And so in this scenario, when you look at Tyus Jones, expiring contract, he would his salary slot is a really important one because he was one of the four that we named throughout this offseason of who would who would we put in a trade that we could actually move and get somebody who makes around this amount of money. And so now with this trade, let's take the draft picks out of it for just a second. We have three more years of Marcus Smart, right around $19 million. Right now, Marcus Smart, based on the value we just saw last night, is more valuable than Tyus Jones. Now, if we want to get into the on-court fit, you do like Kraft was saying, like both of you were saying, he can scale up and scale down defensively. Uh, he, uh, One of the stats that I pulled was, from a catch-and-shoot standpoint, he shoots 36% from three. By the way, Smart... Being a Dylan replacement, Smart has a six nine wingspan. Dylan has a six six wingspan. So just put that in perspective. There, there are so many things that Smart can do, and yes, it's a risk. And there are going to be be people that make fun of of Smart, and he's going to do some stupid stuff, and they're going to say the Grizzlies traded for the same guy. But I, I totally disagree with that. I totally disagree with it because you have to take everything into account when you're evaluating the trade. And so the, the, the last thing I'll say, and then I'll pass it off to y'all, because I could talk about this for another 15 if we wanted to. Not all first-round oh, first picks are created equal. Okay? We traded 25 in this year's draft, and we tra- traded the Golden State 2024 pick. When people see two first-round picks, they automatically go to the worst-case scenario of what those first could be, and they, they think, you know, it's the same as any other first-round pick. It's not. Like, I, I tweeted out earlier, I wish we could have a, a different terminology for a first-round pick that's not in the lottery uh, because I think it would just help for us to process things a bit more sanely. And you saw a bunch of people on Twitter, which I didn't understand, and that's why I was so passionate about it last night and today, that were hating on the price. And I, I was like, in no, in what world are you not putting, let's just say, two picks in the 20s plus an expiring backup point guard contract who has wilted in the playoffs, by the way, the last two years, for a guy like Marcus Smart who's proven it, He's played in finals. He's been to the playoffs every single season of his career. And, oh, by the way, Oklahoma State to Boston to Memphis has worked well before. So let's run it back. No, I think you. the good point is the digger you dig, the digger you dig, <laughs> the deeper you dig into this, the, the, like, the more it makes sense. A um, few things kind of going off your last point. I have, we, could, we really can go. A lot. Friend of the pod, Andrew Davidson over here, really wants some time on the mic, so we may have to pass along. He has a lot of thoughts, too. Um, <laughs> Which we should say, brother of Brantley, who right now basically, is, in, is in New England this area. This is like Brantley's substitute. Yeah. P- so. Some people are so, saying he w- he delivered All smart. sorts of regular, everyday Celtics fan sourcing coming our way. <laughs> That's true. As he asks every, all sorts of people about in, in the New England area. <laughs> Thanks for all you do, yes. Brantley. <laughs> Much appreciated. Um, I think a few things are at play. I think kind of to go off your last point, 
the first round pick thing is makes a ton of sense, right? Some teams have surplus, some teams have a lack of. We definitely are in the surplus category. If you look at our current roster, um, we have I'm gonna call it four for sure late first round picks on our roster that need developing. Um, do we really want to add a fifth? Those four are Santi, Zaire, Roddy, Laravia. If we really expect to develop those guys and see what they have, you can't just keep adding on top of them or somebody's going to get, obviously somebody's going to get left out anyway. If we didn't have any of those type players, it would make more sense to keep our picks. If we were a team like even, I mean, this is a weird example, but even like the Clippers, right? Very old. The youngest player on their team is like 26, outside of like Brandon Boston, right, who never gets any playing time. They need to start looking into, can we kind of figure out, like even the Warriors is another great example. You saw what happened to their young guys. Like they don't have space for them. They don't have room for them. They don't even want them on the roster anymore. So to me, like if we were not in the situation that we are right now, I would be a little bit more hesitant to get rid of first-round picks. But, Will, to your point, we're not in that situation. We have four on the roster right now, drafted within the last two years, that are all under the age of 22, I think. I think Roddy's right, right at 23. Um, Laravia, Santi, Santi, and Zaire, I think, are all under 21 or 21 and younger. So it's like we already have those spots to be taken. Um, so it, it does make sense. We have surplus of picks to get rid of. That To me, that's not that big of a deal. Again, to the earlier point, if the Golden State pick is really good, that's going to hurt. It's going to sting a little bit. Um, to the Tyus point, too, Will, you were kind of, you know, hinting at this, too. Is he overrated? I uh, think he is, he's personally. An 80, he's a magnificent 82-game player. And yes. that is really important when you are after uh, building a culture and when you're after – uh, cons- like getting a really good seed in the regular season, especially totally. when you have a point guard who seems to miss about 20 per season. Like, it's important. Yes, he has a very defined role. And? <laughs> and, at the same time, the ceiling with him is still, to me, pretty low. I think he is a huge benefactor of the quote-unquote narrative that we talk about all the time. When Ja went out with that injury, Two years ago, we went like we won a lot of games in a row. We had a really good record Love without Jaw. So that is when the narrative really started to happen to pick up. Be like, Ooh, Tyus Jones, they're just as good with Tyus than with Jaw. That narrative got created. So now I think people that don't watch Memphis watch the Grizz like we do every single game, watch him in different scenarios, look at the box score plus minus with him and Jaw on the court together and yeah. see how bad it is. Like, when you start digging in the weeds a little bit, you're like, Tyus is, is a good player, but, like, to your point, an expiring Tyus Jones and two firsts, hopefully both in the 20s, for Marcus Smart, yep. the basically reigning defensive player of the year who's been on a 50-plus win team basically his entire career, has played 32 minutes a game for those teams, like, very, very, very high big-time contributor right. and has come up big in playoff moments time and time again, takes on the challenge – cultural setter like we talk about Tyus being the culture setter and that, that aspect Marcus Smart's going to step right in to some extent in that role too right he is an outsider coming in I don't think it's I don't think he's going to come in and start throw you know slamming his hands on tables and be like all right this is how we do things you know like what Fisdale did 
you saw how that turned him off when he was like, this is what we did in Miami. Mark Gasol was immediately like, I'm out on you, 100%. I don't think Smart's going to do that. I think players are a little bit different than a coach, too. But I think when you dig into it a little bit more, I think it makes more and more sense. I think Tyus is a fine player, really solid player. At the same time, I think our ceiling is very capped with him on our roster as a starter and also as a top seven or eight in your rotation. Yeah. A couple of things. One, and it's been very clear, and Tim McMahon reported this, and obviously we've known about it, that Tyus was done being a backup point guard. Like, like uh, you know, I think his Instagram post with the, with the kind of black heart that everybody saw and was like, oh, this probably means he's gone. I think that was – it was a sad thing of, like – I think Tyus was very sad to leave Memphis, but also wanted to, you know, that he wants to be a starting point guard. Uh, I I think th- I feel like the Venn diagram of NBA uh, blog blog boys who called us a regular season team, you know, criticized our half court offense, thought we weren't a playoff team, are the same people that for some reason think are upset because I can't believe we're getting rid of Tyus because of Jaw suspension, like which kind of don't doesn't make sense to me because like you said we're we should be focused on the playoffs now um but then you know again can i interest you in a point guard who has been the point guard of the number one and i believe like number three offense the last two years and oh by the way one defensive player of the year two years ago like can i interest you in that point guard well that's marcus smart and that's what he was the point guard for the number one offense in the NBA last year. And, and so I just think you have to take that into consideration um, when you think about Tyus versus Marcus Smart. And the fact of the matter is, and as I said last night on our texts, uh, you know, if you're a Grizzly listener, you know, I absolutely hate the Tyus jaw lineups. They've always been bad. They always were bad. Um, even in the Minnesota series, when they had a couple moments, they were still a negative for the series um, and I just I see no way that the Jaw Marcus lineups are not going to be um, way vastly superior to the Tyus Jaw lineups. And so I think the fact that we got somebody who can guard wings like Dylan and somebody who can play backup point guard and somebody who can play with Jaw, I just think all those things, you know, and they allow Kennard also um, coming in totally. to not like basically we're allowing one of the things that I was fearing with the loss of Dylan was that between Jaw, Bain, Kennard, or whoever else we maybe brought in, they're going to have, like, somebody's going to have to take the really hard defensive assignment. Well, we now have that person. If we play teams with, like, you know, a guard that we really need to shut down, we now have Marcus Smart to guard that person. So I'm excited about that. Okay, let's go through some of the counters and see if we can uh, maybe just, like, put it on the table because, obviously, I feel like at this point we, we are all pro the trade after, you know, almost 24 hours. So, okay, first counter is um, the number one need on this team was shooting, and we got a guy who seems to be really similar to Dylan, which is pretty low efficiency um, and kind of takes shots you don't want him to take, especially late. So what do we what do we say to that argument? So I say this is one of my big, 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 big points. So, well, man, just the host of the year, thank you for bringing this, bringing this up the way you did. So I've seen a lot of the Dylan comparison offensively. Cannot emphasize how different of an offensive player that Smart and Dylan are. Dylan does one thing on offense, and it's not a thing he does well, and that's he shoots. Can't dribble. Can't play make. 
assist rate is always extremely low. Doesn't set screens. Doesn't cut. Doesn't offensive rebound. Doesn't do any of that stuff. Um, my big point when I started thinking about this today, and I s- kind of heard, of course, people mention that, like another Grizz podcaster person basically put Dylan and Marcus's three-point percentage side by side, and it was like, what is this? And I'm like, well, one, that's all Dylan can do, and he's bad at it. And if you look at Marcus Smart's game, very good playmaker, very good creator, very good screener, very good cutter, good offensive rebounder, can basically do a lot of other stuff. And this may be hard for people to come to terms with, but there's more to playing offense than just being able to hit a shot. Um, the fact that we could – I just envision swing, swing on the wing, and it's Marcus Smart open on the wing for a three – like, he either takes the shot, and in the playoffs, statistically, he has a better chance of it going in than what Dylan has, first of all, and Tyus by a mile, by the way. But on the other hand, like, can he do something else with it? That's what I kept getting annoyed by with the Dylan thing against the Lakers. When we kicked it out to him, it was just no hesitation, like, shoot, because that's all he knows what to do. And he's wide open. And he's wide way. open. <laughs> Smart, yes, can take the shot, yes, can hit the shot, but also can just do a lot more with the ball. Um, there's a, there's a reason we kept playing the jaw ties lineups because we needed creation, not just shot making ability. We need someone who could handle the ball, could make decisions, could make reads, stuff like that. And like Marcus fits perfectly in that role. Yes, he's not a great knockdown shooter. His playoff percentages are not awful, very much league average, which is a solid, solid player, right? Um, I just think there's way more to his game yeah, on to offense. To your point, than six, he averaged six point three assists a game last year. Yeah, that's significant. That's that would have been like second especially on our team. in comparison to Dylan, you know that. Yes, the, the guy zero point six. Yes, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I heard someone say earlier today that um, Marcus Smart had his highest field goal percentage in his last like four or five years this past season. I think his true shooting in the playoffs the last couple of years is basically like fifty percent and higher. Dylan's notoriously is like borderline like upper thirties, which is inc- like really, 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 really low. Um, I don't know. I, I don't like the Dylan comp. I get the offensive thing. Um, not to, Will, not to say that you made the Dylan comp, but the shooting no, I thing. Mean, it's, it's a natural thing because that's who we're replacing. And we're seeking to replace right. someone like that. Yeah. And so, if, and obviously, you have their antics and they're kind of crazy. So it's just a, it's a fun, right. there's some overlap. And the other thing I'd say, and then I'll let Kraft chime in here, is. To the, to the point made about shooting and what we need, this offseason just started. Like, give For it sure. a little bit of time. And I once we finish the Mark Smart conversation, I want to talk about what we hope to see mm-hmm. tonight, if anything. Uh, but I just think that there's still time. We got one of the most elite shooters in the league this past trade deadline and now have the freedom to play him in more lineups. And I think we will utilize him in more lineups. Remember, he only had... 25 games or so to get even integrated into this team uh, and then got hurt in the playoffs. So Kraft, what do you, what do you think about that? Well, I mean, and I, th- I think that's for me, you know, we talk, we like to talk about, you know, 60, 16 game players and 82 game players and, and the shift and the shift with Tyus, who we know is a great 82 game player. We love him. Um, but at the end of the day, Tyus Jones, as well as, and especially Dylan, although he had a couple of good great games in the Utah series, but the last two years he has gotten worse. 
Like they have gotten worse in the playoffs compared to the regular season. Marcus Smart always gets better. If you look at his regular season numbers, they're always better in the playoffs. He shoots better in the playoffs. He he passes better in the playoffs. He defends better in the playoffs. Like he is somebody who brings it. And and just you know to your point, like uh, you know Sean Coleman put, you know this out there that in the last three playoffs, Marcus Smart has shot forty seven percent from the corner from three, and and in that sense is. Th- Dylan had a lot of corner threes against the Lakers. He did not shoot 47%. And, and I just think that that sort of thing is just when you talk about, Ty, that Dylan, is, uh, Dylan and Marcus are just not in the same ballpark. They're really not. Offensively. And, and honestly, what's amazing is, and you could argue some people might say that he's in decline. That might be one of your future counters. But, like, he is at least arguably as good as Dylan defensively. He's one defensive player of the year. He has more all defensive teams. Uh, and so we might have gotten something, but, you know, we might have gotten a player that is uh, to replace Dylan that's just better, uh, just a better player in pretty much every way than Dylan was, you know. And then even with, we talked about the height, and like you're saying, you know, with wingspan, with his body type, I mean, I don't think we're going to feel that difference. Um, at all in his athleticism as well, which is more than Dylan's. The one thing I wanted to say, since you mentioned the defensive stuff too, um, Dylan was very much basically like the face guard king, right? Just like, go guard that guy. Don't let him get the ball. If he does get the ball, just like be in his face. Dylan was not known for steals, was not known for blocks. Zero defensive, what some people call like defensive creation or defensive playmaking, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm pretty sure Marcus Smart is, like, very high in a lot of, like, still percentage, stuff like that, like, leading to runouts, leading to breaks. That's why people love Kyle Anderson and D'Anthe Melton so much because they created these, like, transition opportunities. Dylan didn't do any of that. Right. Again, Dylan was like, I'm going to stand in front of you in the goal and hopefully you don't score. I'm yeah. not going to take the ball from you. Yeah, that's right? a good, he's, he's, Dylan's a great on-ball defender. Uh, Marcus Smart is a great on-ball defender and a great team defender. Yes. And I think that's a big deal. Yeah, I think yeah. that's a great point. I wanted right. to mention that to you. Um, no, I think, that's, I think that's a great point. And I, I think that's also kind of talking about the loss of Tyus with Marcus. I mean, I do think, obviously, we have gotten spoiled. And, like, so I will say Grizzlies fans that I do think need to be prepared. We are going to turn the ball over more next year than we have in the past. Like, that, that assist-to-turnover ratio that Ty, Tyus Jones had is legit. And so there is going to be some turnovers, but I do think that we showed our system itself creates a lot of turnovers for us. And we showed that with, we lost Mel, we lost Kyle, our turnover percentage did not go down uh, very significantly at all. We actually still kept that. But the big thing is, I mean, Marcus Smart blocks shots, he creates steals, and he's going to be great at creating turnovers. So, so I think, you know, with the turnovers that he might have, I think he's going to make up for it in spades with the turnovers that he creates for us. Yeah. All right, another counter I heard was, okay, now what do you do about uh, your both starting and closing lineups? You know, do you have Ja, Bain, and Smart all play in the same lineup? How does that work? What's going to happen there? Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I think that, I mean, the beauty of a good NBA team is optionality and versatility. Like, we're not pegged to, like, these are our best five and this is what we have to go with and this is all we got. Like, it's hard to critique the Warriors because they've been so awesome for so long, but their closing five is their closing five and that's just what they've had to deal with, right? Like, they 
this past playoff, they tried Jordan Poole. That didn't go well. They were stuck with Looney, Draymond, Clay, Wiggins, and Steph. That's all they had to go off of. That's all they had, right? Different matchups, like, again, if we were to play the Nuggets and Steven Adams is hopefully really healthy, he's going to play a ton of minutes. That makes a ton of sense. If we're not playing the Nuggets and we're playing the Kings, maybe the he Suns. doesn't. Or the Phoenix, maybe he doesn't, right? I think Marcus Smart kind of falls in that category, too. I think it just depends. But I'm not big on the whole lack of size argument because who was our best three guard against the Lakers, the biggest plus minus on the team? Do you all remember? He got injured with his shoulder. Luke Kennard. Is he some 6'9 wing? No. He's like a 6'5 shooting guard, right? And he was awesome in that closing lineup with Ja and Dez. And I guess, yeah, yeah. Stephen Adams wasn't even healthy then. And I think that's another point I wanted to make to y'all too is we have so much size on the front court that I think we can be a little bit smaller in the back court, especially because Smart does such a good job, Will, you mentioned this a ton, of playing up defensively and that wingspan's no joke. Um, and he's crazy strong and crazy tough. Like, you're not going to back him down. You're not going to take advantage of him on the post. If he shoots over you, he shoots over you. So be it, right? But he's going to contest. Um, so I think defensively, I think I think closing lineup, I think, sure, why not? But I don't think it has to be like, oh, well, this is just who we have. This is what's got to play. And to your other point, offseason is not over. Yeah, and I think that's, I mean, just you don't want, I mean, I don't think you have to have a necessary, like, a necessary uh, best five. Um, and you saw that even with the Denver Nuggets, like that there were times when Porter Jr. did not close uh, for them, even though he was a starter. Um, you know, obviously the Celtics, they always had they, they shifted around their lineups. And I think what you just want is you want a top seven or eight that allows you to f- in the playoffs be flexible. And that was something we really missed against Lakers because we didn't have Adams. We didn't have Clark. Um, you know, and even then, I think we should have flexed probably uh, to Kennard earlier and not play Dylan as much. But I do think actually if we'd gone to the next round, like we would have liked Dylan against uh, guarding Steph Curry. And so I just think you, Marcus Smart is one of those, you know, he's like, he's a player you have and you can do all sorts of things with him. And he opens up the possibility of actually playing pretty big lineups with him as like your point guard of playing really small lineups with him as like a three or four, you know, you can do crazy things like have all four of our guards out there with Jaron. You can do, you know, like I, that's what you want is you just want the adaptability and the flexibility. I think and Mark Smart, I think, contributes to that he's almost like a brand as Brandon Clark is for forwards Marcus Smart is for guards like he can just kind of do a lot of different things for you and throw out there and I think that's you know I think like you said we want to find that top seven eight it might be you know we might have one of these wings that that develops that we have right now that can be in that top seven eight we might be hoping to find that in the next month month and a half either through um, through some kind of trade, but I just think, I just don't think like we don't have to have the exact five and know about it. And like, and I actually think between, uh, you know, Kennard, Marcus smart and one and our wings, like th- somebody's going to be fine being the sixth man. You know, I, I don't think it's going to be a, be an issue and we're going to have different closing lineups depending on the matchup. So, and Oh, by the way, we're 30 minutes in and still haven't mentioned John Morant's not going to be playing for the first 25 games and as much as I would have, you know, been down to try out a Bane or even Conchar or Kennard bringing up the ball, I'm glad we actually have a, you know, he's, he's not the truest of the true point guard, but he, someone that's played point guard now for nine years in high leverage moments that I trust leading the offense while Jaw's gone. And, yeah, I, I think he calls himself a stretch six 
because he he can guard one through five, and I guess that's just like a term that he made up for himself. So I'm <laughs> confident uh, that he's going to take on whatever challenge. And really, when you're talking about lineups and size, the biggest issue is always defensively. And if you have a guy that you can trust in that situation and has been there before, uh, it makes the offense – I mean – if, if anything, you're more potent on offense because you have multiple guys that can play make, which we've been missing. Um, okay, the last counter that we can deal with, I'll just combine age and price. I feel like we've covered price just a little bit, but I want to stress again how important it is. And and Kleiman, I love how much he loves these contracts that are between 12 and $20 million because he knows, especially with the rising cap, like these things are these contracts are going to age very well, number one. And even Brandon Clark which we, uh, you know, obviously will be without for the majority of this season, although there was a, an Instagram video that might have, you know, got, got shown otherwise. Never um, have I been more hopeful watching somebody jump up and down in a pool. Right, but, I mean, signing him to the contract that he's on, 12, I think it's 12 and a half over four, with a torn Achilles is still, it's not a crazy deal. It doesn't hurt you that much, but it's just enough to where if you need matching salary, like in a trade, if we were to, you know, put him in the trade tonight, like you can do that and have the flexibility too. So I, I just think that, and again, I should stress two first round picks in the twenties are uh, very much worth any deal we're going to do. And Oh, by the way, we have 2024 through 2030, still every single first round pick and a full mid-level exception. Two days ago. Do you think if somebody had said, Tyus Jones and our first round pick this year gets you Marcus Smart. I don't think anybody would have said, "Oh, that's an, that that that's a fair deal." Like I think they would have said, "Oh, Memphis would have to pay more than that." I feel like it's because of the three-way and the like sort of crisis situation that the Celtics and Wizards found themselves in with the midnight deadline for Chris Stapps and the fact that Porzingis was in there. I think that is one thing that skewed it a little bit is just that you would have thought Tyus and one first round pick was not enough for a player like Marcus Smart. So, you know, why it could be potentially an overpay. I also think, I think somebody else made this point. I think if we had found out we could have had Marcus Smart, but we just weren't willing to give up one of our other picks, I think people would have been angry. I think the same people that were upset about the overpay would have been saying, look at this front office, we hoard our picks, blah, blah, blah. And at the end of the day, after tonight, we have all our first round picks left. So. And it has a, a similar, uh, it reminds you of how we got that 24 Warriors pick in the first place, which is being opportunistic in a situation where Gold State needed somebody to send Iguodala to and we're willing to part with that pick. And now we turn around and we jump in a trade. And usually when you jump in a trade at the last minute, you're compensated for it. So it is rare that you're both giving up the player that makes it happen as well as giving up picks. But again, such a unique scenario. Kraft, I go back to our draft preview pod when you you know asked, do we think there's going to be a deal made before the, the draft? I, I, I believe I said no, but I also said that Zach Kleiman thrives in chaos, and last night was utter chaos. And so anything else on the smart deal before we talk about the uh, rest of this draft? Uh, by the way, a trade. Dallas is trading the 10th pick. Um, they're trading David, uh, Davis Bertans and Kaysen Wallace, who I think was picked at number 10, to OKC. Oh. So Bertans is just going to automatically start hitting every shot now. I guess. On OKC. For who? Uh, For that's, Do we we don't know yet. We okay. don't know yet. So we're waiting what Dallas is getting back. I'm going to say it is... OKC since number 12. And... And uh, they get a uh, I was a traded player exception. Oh, okay. So they must have had enough space. 
to take on Bertans. Interesting. Man, OKC just keeps take. Uh, I thought this was the year they were going to try to compete. Yeah. Gosh, can you imagine? <laughs> They're just taking more youth people. They're ma- taking so more. So basically, more Dallas draft moved back two spots and just got off Bertans' money, essentially. I I just don't understand how. Is that right, though? They just got off his money? Yeah. Yeah, they got off his money for 17 dropping million two. for a couple years. Yeah, that okay. might be good for Dallas. I do not what understand the infatuation with OKC in media. That's just an aside. It's, it's yeah. I mean, they want to be. They want what is it? they want to be the, uh, fu- what is it? The bright future, just forever. The the eternal bright future. It's just team. the unknown. That's People why love all these a teardown. Picks. Everyone loves yeah. that. Like I was listening to a podcast today, and a guy from a Boston ish fan was talking about how they were just going to replace Marcus Smart in the draft this year. Like that stuff doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. Um, about I don't really have any crazy lasting things on Smart. I'll just empty the notebook really quick. Um, I think the expectation, again, what made the second pick being tough is because we all thought the Golden State pick was just like the asset moving forward. Maybe it wasn't as good as we thought it was, but that was what we were all told, so that's what we believed. Um, The other thing is like the wing thing, Will, that you were talking about. That was the expectation. So when it's not your absolute peak expectation, what you thought was going to happen, and what had been reported that we gave out all those picks for, potentially OG and Mikel, and that didn't happen – Anything less than that, I think people are going to be like, oh, man, that's not kind of exactly what I was expecting. So I think if if you look at it, I think a lot of this is skewed by, like, fan expectations, not necessarily, like, realistic expectations either. To your point, if you tell me that we basically make Dylan and Tyus in one player and still on a team for Lee deal that extends out three more years, I'm all for that, right? That doesn't mean we also can't eventually go get another wing to some extent, too. The OG thing, I think that basically Toronto was just like playing everyone. They're not trading him. They were just never going to do that. Um, they're going to have to pay him in a couple years, so we'll see what that looks like. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of kind of where I am. Um, I'll say this, too. Will, we were talking about this a little bit earlier. If one of our wings hits and really progresses, to me this trade is an absolute home run. Because it gives you a little bit of a bigger player on the wing that can do a little bit more stuff. Like if Roddy comes in year two and like pulls a Santi on us or a Bane on us, and we're like, wait, who's this guy? I think this trade makes so much more sense. And also just like really, really, really the roster comes together. Um, and that may not happen, but if it does, I think it's I think that makes the trade look really, really, really nice. Uh, okay. We are now at number ten. In the draft, we haven't heard any trade news from the Grizzlies, but the last thing I'll, I'll, I'll say, and I'll leave it open to you all as well, is if we were to trade, uh, make a trade, number one, who would you be most comfortable to be in that trade? Because I'll go first. Like, I am, I am pretty out on Zaire right now at this point. Like, I feel like if you're talking about a young player to send out, he tops my list. And the closest second is pretty far down. Like, I am all in on Roddy. I am, uh, I will not say all out on Zaire, but I, at this moment, if you told me we have Brandon Clark, Zaire, and a first-round pick, and we're getting back Dorian Finney-Smith, I think that's a win. Which, Brandon Clark being in that trade obviously would hurt too, based on if you want him back. But I'm just saying, if you're going to send somebody out to get a wing, you have to send out enough value. You have to overpay. And... The fact that we have 
2024 through 2030, a full covered of first round draft picks. I am that if that were to happen tonight, I would not be disappointed to see to see Zaire go and to open the door because I think minutes distribution is going to be a really big theme for me if we draft another first round player that we're going to fully put on the roster because right now we still have 14 players rostered. Sent out Tyus, brought back Marcus Smart. So that's another guy who you're going to want to develop and give minutes to. I just don't see it, especially when you have LaRavia, especially when you have Roddy waiting in the wings, and you have Zaire who's hoping for a bounce back. There's just not a lot of minutes to go around, and I would be fully committing to Roddy and maybe uh, relying on LaRavia's shooting potential to to back that up as well. And Zaire, I'm just I'm just nervous. I'm, I'm nervous about him. I think the... I think I'd probably say LaRavia just because he's the one player who has not showed me over sort of a consistent amount of games. Uh, extreme promise, but at the same time, that potential is there, I think. And he is younger um, than, than Arati. Uh, I'm, I'm just – I'm never going to be out any – after my Santi takes, I just can't be out on anybody again because he's still – it's shocking. I mean, he was bad halfway into the summer league and just his improvements he made um, – so I'm still – I mean, I think for me it would just be if we get good return, I think I'm up for any of them being traded. I think Zaire, part of the – being more open to Zaire is just because that he is on a rookie contract that is just way more expensive than all the other rookies. And so getting rid of that, I think, you know, to clear up some space for someone, I think that would be something I would be open to. But at this point, I'm, I'm fine. I think – I don't think I would be sad with any of them as long as we get – if we get, a you know, a DFS-type player back um, – that I, w- I wouldn't be upset about if we get a proven sort of three and D wing um, that could, that I think would be in our like top eight, nine playoff rotation. Yeah. Also it's worth saying in every single draft, Zach Kleiman has traded up to get somebody he likes. And so if at the end of all of this, I predict the second round trade up for sure. To get into the first round, or I, just I don't to know trade about that. Higher? I just know that I, I doubt. I think we will make a pick before forty-five. We do have an extra two-way spot this year yeah. as well. Yes, um, and, and so, so we have basically two open. Yes, if we don't bring Vince, yes. you know, I mean, if we do bring, even if we do bring Vince back, we have two more open. Correct, because the new CBA allows for a third now. Which technically, somebody's in that spot. I think Justin something. I can't. I can't remember his last name. But do y'all? But here, here's a quick question. Do y'all think we need? Do y'all, because I heard this floated on like Chris Vernon a little bit on the call, like some of the other shows talked about that we do need a third point guard because of the suspension. Um, disagree. Uh, to carry one. Okay, so you disagree. So that's what I was going to ask. Do y'all agree or disagree with I that? I don't think we should use like a big asset on it, but I think if there is like a G League player that we call up for like the, Chris Harrington kept saying like use the two ways like no. Golden State did for Ty Jerome, like little stuff like that makes sense, okay. but I don't think we need to – Pull a that Kennedy. That fifteenth roster like spot not, does not need to be a, a point guard. Totally, yeah, yeah, I don't think so either. No, gosh, no. I think you can. I mean, you have that uh, that clause with a suspension. After five games in. After right? five yeah. games, we can right. sign somebody for twenty. And so yeah. I feel like we there's going to be somebody out here who gets waived and will pick up and and yeah. it'll be a band aid if we re- yeah. and they may not they might not ever play because yeah. Bain will handle the ball and it's during the regular season, so I'm not as like. So, in y'all's opinion, if we carry a 15 player, it's going to be a wing or a forward, most yeah. likely. Although, I not. will say this. I'm not convinced we're going to use our MLE. Like, yeah. I, that was going to be my know. point. So, I mean, this is all going to look dumb because everyone's going to listen to this tomorrow after all this has happened. <laughs> so, here we go. Good call. But well, we I've can seen come back a lot and call of, ourselves dumb in a little bit. That's yeah. true. I've seen a lot of people float that, like, the MLE is going to be hard to use because it's usually a 
it has to be a three-year contract at least. Is that correct? Um, I think it has to at least yeah. be a multiple year. It's either three or four. And if we sign someone to three-year, $36 million, 12 a year, that's really going to put us at that. It will basically put us over the tax, not the hard second apron tax, but will put us in the tax after that. And a lot of people have speculated, smart people that write about the Grizzlies have speculated that like we're probably not going to use that for that purpose. Now, that is all they are assuming that we are not willing to go into the tax. If we are willing to go into the tax, the MLE is going to get used, right? Because we're clearly not afraid of that. Which I but, think uh, we're willing. I just don't think we're going to do it. Um, just for the sake of doing correct. it. Just for the sake yeah. of doing it. Another cool thing about second round picks is we can actually sign them with part of the MLE, which is kind of what well, we you did. You have that second round exception. Correct. I don't remember, though, if it starts this draft or next draft. I'd have okay. to read up on that. We'll have to, anyway. I thought we could use your... your you can. Okay. You can. You can use part of the MLE to sign your but second round. There's rounders. also an additional exception now. So. Right. Oh, that's... I was like, that's the old. Tra- that's a, a trade. Re- a trade came on the screen, but it's an old it's trade. An old one. So we'll see. Out. I don't think I would be shocked if we did find like pick thirty to thirty-five, someone like that to like trade up. If people ask for a young player back, maybe I could see it being Zaire, like you were saying. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to say. Um, I I'm with Kraft though. I think we come away with something besides. Um. The we, forty. We just never wait pick. for our pick. Also, we Jet Howard we just move got picked up and get somebody. And Jet Howard was absolutely not projected to go this high. So again, no, it's been it's been a pretty interesting. Your projections group of players picks so kind of going out the window. I guess it doesn't so. matter because everybody listening, like you said, is they already know. They already know. List, but they already um, know. But I'm not going to list players that I hope we get because again, I don't no. know enough, and no one else does either. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see. But all in all, you got to trust our front office. They've been called. You know, King Climbing's the moniker for a reason. If it if something happens that you don't like, I think you need to check yourself. Maybe look at yourself in the mirror <laughs> instead yes. of questioning Climbing and what he you know what he's got going on. This is his job. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. It could be a fun night. It could also be well, what you were saying earlier, just a really long. Let's see how many chips we can we can eat with buffalo chicken dip and yeah. go from there. Which we'll have a blast doing it. Um, Maybe me and Matt Bolton will do a push-up contest. <laughs> what do you say? Shout out. Uh, all right. Well, we're going to be back if anything happens, and uh, we will talk to you soon. Well, Craft, we're on pick number 43, about three and a half hours later <laughs> than when we just cut off the recording a second ago. Yeah. And uh, no Grizzlies selections. Does that surprise you? It does. I mean, it did. It does. It it surprises me in the sense that I thought we always like to move up, but um, it doesn't surprise me in the sense that we only had one roster spot. And and one of the hard things about moving up in the second round that I realized as the draft went on was that moving up the second round that a lot of picks like thirty to forty are going to want roster spots are going to be very resistant to either two-way contracts or being stashed. And so it makes me feel like whoever we do draft at 45 is going to be for sure uh, a, a two-way or a stash that we're not – like if we actually keep both these picks that we have, we're not um, – that is not going to be a player that that hits that 15th roster spot for us. Now, six years ago today, the Grizzlies drafted Dylan Brooks in the same number 45 pick. 
So, you know, they can turn out to be something. Of course, that was okay. a very different Grizzlies team on a different timeline. Uh, but you never know with these second-round picks. You see, you know, Nikola Jokic as well being the best draft pick of all time. I don't know if there is that prospect in this draft necessarily. What I noticed is that we have not seen a ton of trades. It's yeah. been very Besides much, the Celtics, yeah. Besides the Celtics, which I wanted to mention because – we had traded our number 25 pick to the Celtics, and they have gone on to basically continue to trade back, accumulating more future second-round picks, and it seems that that was their strategy. Um, right. Judging by some you know, NBA media people on Twitter saying that you know, they, they were, are going to need a bunch of these smaller assets down the line to help uh, with some financial flexibility, maybe paying the team to take on a salary to avoid tax penalties, things of that, that nature. But I think it also is fair for us to think about that as we just basically gave up two seconds and maybe even more now yeah. uh, to get tied. Yeah, I, think, I, think I think now the it looks like the Celtics are going to come out with, I think, five second-round draft picks, including – the player they selected. Yep. So, you know, in a sense, and obviously we, we've joked during the trade deadline about all the, the, the four to five second round picks that were going around. Uh, and so just to think that that is, so now I think that does put, you know, we were maybe too, you know, maybe people accuse us of being too Homer and too enth enthusiastic about the, the Tyus trade. But what we're seeing is that the 25th pick in the draft this year was equivalent to kind of multiple second round picks. I don't think anybody would be upset with us giving away multiple second round picks uh, to get a player like Marcus Smart. So, yes, and notably Cam Whitmore was the player that a lot of uh, a lot of I guess you could say like draft Knicks had uh, up there in the top ten, some in the top five even, and he dropped down all the way to twenty, and so. That would have been one pick to where if they if if Cam had been available at twenty five, you would be thinking to yourself, would that have been worth it? There were some concerns with him, so we'll see how that pans out. Uh, San Antonio is selecting right now at forty four, so Memphis is about to be on the clock for the first time tonight. I am at this point fully expecting us to trade, you know, out of this pick. <laughs> I, I'm I'm kidding. I hope hopefully we actually make a selection. Um, but we will see. The other notable thing is, and we didn't discuss this earlier, I wanted to make sure and mention it, is the Golden State Warriors made a trade uh, yes, or earlier today for Chris Paul, sending out Jordan Poole to the Washington Wizards. And I don't know about you, Kraft, but what that told me is that, number one, they they wanted more flexibility after this season. You know, Chris Paul and Jordan Poole are making similar money just this year, but after that, Paul's contract is going to fall off unless they extend him. So that right. could happen. Uh, but it's going to be a lot tougher because the extension rules mainly have to do with if you're going to increase someone's salary. And also it tells me they are going to try and run it back and re-sign Draymond Green. Yeah. And so... That's good for the Grizzlies. It means that the the Golden State Warriors are going to continue to try to go all in and are going to, you know, you can debate about the Chris Paul fit versus the Jordan Poole fit, but yeah. um, it's good news for the Grizzlies fans right. who are hoping that 2024 pick doesn't pan out to be 
in right. the um like know. it's could still they could have some injuries. I mean, they are an old team, just got older. Definitely. But so they could still, you know, that that picks could still be um, you know, a good pick. We don't know. I mean, it, you know, like Steph Curry could tear his ACL or something. I mean, like, you know, something horrible could happen to a player or two and they could really fall. Um, but, you know, they for sure they don't have any incentive uh to be bad, um, even if there's injuries and you know, and at this point it's a sunk cost. You know, I'm hoping uh, for Grizz fans who hate the Warriors, they might feel conflicted about about cheering against them now because then it would be like, oh, did we just trade trade away bad pick? But, you know, we can't control those things. And I just think I look at it now and now, you know, even more so it looks like Tyus Jones and, uh, you know, a bunch of seconds. And now this Golden State pick is what we what we traded away for for Marcus Smart. So we'll see what happens with the Golden State Warriors pick. The pick is in. We're waiting to see who it's going to be. We are both uh, on Twitter as well as uh, Gigi Jackson at number 45. Gigi Jackson. I know nothing about Gigi, so we're going to look him up. He, let's see, live reaction here happening. (laughs) I'm looking at my draft people to see if uh, any of them have him. Okay, so some of the guys who, like, are really get into the draft – um. Uh, so one of them had Gigi Jackson as thirty-one on their board, um, and so is definitely the best player available on their board. So, um, but you know, five-star recruit from Columbia, reclassified from the twenty twenty-three uh, high school from his twenty twenty-three high school class. Athletic, long. He's gonna. He's super young. He plays. He's a, he's a forward. Six eight. Has yeah. a six six eleven wingspan. Like I said, went to South Carolina. Last season, he had fifteen point four points per game. Shot thirty eight percent. He was the best on Hollinger's board at this point. So there's that. So I now have two got two two guys I, I I trust their opinions at least they say he's the best player available on their board so there's so you know but and they're both obviously analytic guys and our our front office tends to be that way as well and it looks like we did in fact take another another tall wing yep that's right so it looks like athleticism is kind of his his calling card he was a fourth in the vertical at the combine Second in the three-quarter court sprint, 3.21 seconds. That's flying. Okay, so one interesting thing is we just talked about, so this is a player who expected to go in the first round. And because he is younger, he he left. So that is interesting as we think about the two-way contract um, that that this is a player who who might not want a two-way. And obviously, I mean, you know, might not have a choice, um, but that is an interesting kind of that, that that he is somebody who expected to go in the first round, and so so it'll be interesting to see as we navigate that extra roster spot, and uh, and our two two ways that we have right now could have three, um, but two two ways and a roster spot um, because I would think that 
drafting this guy at 45, we would want him to be a two way. So we'll see. We'll see what that means. Obviously you don't have to figure that out until after summer league and stuff. So it could be that, Hey, you can go out there and prove that you're better than some of our other, you know, <laughs> our plethora of six, eight, uh, wings. hundred percent. It sounds like this is, uh, as pure of a project as possible. So we're watching some highlights right now. We have our friend of the pod, uh, Jay Mitchum, there were several instances during the 2022-2023 season when Lamont Paris and his coaching staff, staff expressed frustration with Jackson not hustling down the court or lacking, def- or lacking defensive intensity. Body language was an issue, um, and he did get benched, and he did complain in the social media post about not getting the ball. That, you know, there there is some downside here is what we're learning, um, but there is some upside There we go, Gigi Jackson. I would, I would think, given, given all that we've uncovered in the last five minutes, maybe there is some willingness to go on a two-way. Okay, um, so so he is so, according to Twitter here, he is maybe the, if not one, but one of the youngest players in the draft. So it looks like once again. Um, this is more of a Zaire Santi pick, a top, a, a you know, a highly recruited guy like Zaire, who's really young, who it looks like maybe had a very strange college year and is much more into development. So it makes me wonder if it is, if if it's somebody that we can talk into doing a two way. So Chris Harrington just tweeted, Gigi Jackson at forty five will be a two way player for the Grizzlies, barring okay. the unexpected. So there okay. we go. All right, so there we go. So, so Still have an open roster spot. So a guy who very, you know, and obviously when I say that, everybody expects to go in the first round, but he's somebody who probably would have stayed in school, very much thought he was a first-round pick, was a heavy recruit. And so it's interesting that we have. So it, it almost, I mean, it's weird because obviously uh, the the Chris Wallace <laughs> era is something that's always scary to talk about and sad. Uh, but it does feel like we kind of are doing that here with a guy who, yeah. um, you know, was was a seemingly a big talent, um, heavy heavily recruited, and and yet we're taking him at forty five and putting him on a two way. So I guess honestly, it's going to be one of those interesting like see see if he can deal with that, you know, the the Memphis hustle life. Yeah, that's a great point. A lot of raw tools. So we'll see what happens. Grizzlies have another pick. So um, we will do some more research on Jackson, and we'll be back with you if there's anything further to discuss with him and yeah. also if the Grizzlies end up making another pick tonight. Right. And, and, you know, it's interesting. I mean, this is where, like, we're in a place where we already know who our core is. We already have a lot of good young players. So, you know, honestly, these kind of kind of big swing developmental picks – um, lots of tools, but maybe not didn't all put it together. You know, that maybe this is where the strategy is for us going forward in these late second round picks. So, yep. All right. We'll be back with you soon. All right. We are back. Grizzlies are about to be on the clock for the 56th pick. We have since learned a little bit more about Gigi Jackson craft. What have we learned? Uh, uh, interesting that when I, I said something about connections, but yes, he is, um, he is a South Carolina guy, very connected in South Carolina. And apparently, you know, 
has a relationship with Jaw of some kind too, and so that could be one thing. Uh, he's also basically the youngest player in the draft, and so super project. Uh, we found uh, that somebody had posted a local interview he did tonight before the draft, talking about uh, that the, his year at South Carolina wasn't him, and apologized to teammates. So apparently. It was just a really bad year, and it sounds like we're trying to – we're taking a, a huge upside pick, a huge developmental pick, and kind of similar to Zaire, doing the similar strategy of a lot of crazy things happened to have his, to have his one college year go really wrong, but we're going to invest in the tools, you know. Yeah. Apologize to his coaches in that interview and seems, you know, happy to, to have been drafted. So um, – you know, we'll see. It definitely, you're right. It, it didn't seem like a Grizzly pick initially, and it still feels like something that we will not be needing in the near future, but it's the late 40s, and at this point, it, it matters not. So we'll see. Yeah. And uh, I've put in my vote for who the Grizzlies should draft at 56. And it is Trace Jackson Davis who went to Indiana. He's basically a power forward who can who can shoot and do a bunch of things. Pretty versatile. So that that would be my vote, uh, Kleiman, if you're listening. Uh, so we'll see. The Indiana pick is in, and they are going to announce it. It seems soon. Is it going to be the guy you want? <laughs> They take it in space just to get to I know, I'm wondering. Unless it's uh it's the Miami guy they're flashing. Okay, we're on the clock officially. And interestingly enough, the draft normally has sixty picks, but this year there's fifty eight because the seventy sixers and I believe it was the Bucks were the other team that had that violated tampering rules and uh, we're basically docked a second round pick, so it's it's literally the third to last pick of the of the draft here. Um, so we're 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 nearing midnight, by the way. Yeah, it's been a long long draft. Pick is in. Pick is officially in. Team needs Bobby Marks starting small forward, three point shooting. Okay, not going to get that here. This is great podcasting. Yes. Just so dead you can tell air. It's late. <laughs> but it's been weird because there has been, it just seems like even more, you know, second round picks are just not very valued. Yep. Um, and uh, even late first rounders at this point. So it's been very interesting uh, because kind of hearing a lot of hype about this draft, but it just felt like um, after the first few picks, you know, it really was a, you know, Victor Wimbanyana, um, I guess Scoot, uh, Brandon Miller. But after that, even the Thompson Twins, it's a good story, drafted back-to-back, but there really wasn't much. Um, but it just feels like, you know, it's a weird for a draft that you heard a lot of talk about for the last two, three years. It feels kind of underwhel- underwhelming to me after the top three. So We have a selection. Oh, okay. It is a draft and stash. Oh, okay. Tariq Biberovich, number 56. Europe, that's all I know right now. About to do some Googling live. 
So here, so I will, I will, I will. Somewhere, as, in so, as someone who at this point does not care about this player, um, I will say that it's very interesting. You know, the big deal was last last draft. We ended up coming out with a ton of young players. A, you know, drafting a bunch of guys, like basically coming out with five guys, drafting three. Uh, immediately kind of signing or drafting four, signing another guy um, who we all love. And it felt like, Oh, you know, should we have tripled down on youth is what Kleiman said. And I feel like this is the year where we became sort of like in some weird, like a grown up team in the sense that we did what kind of contenders do, which is not really draft people. And uh, draft a project who's going to be on a two-way and draft a stash guy. And we're kind of, and it seems like maybe we are maturing into that kind of team. And that, and, and if that's sort of going to be our philosophy here uh, for maybe the next couple of years, it makes it even more like, I just, we have, giving away that Golden State pick, I mean, again, could be a valuable pick, but we've just entered the time of sort of team development and the timeline where it's just like uh, the draft is just not going to be something uh, besides potential trade stuff. It's just not going to be something that really interests us for the next few years. Probably. I have some breaking news. Uh Oh, Tariq plays on the same Turkish basketball team as Marco Guterich right now. That's all. That was the breaking <laughs> news. Uh, he's 22 years old, plays small forward. Uh, alongside Guterich, and yes, Turkish um, can shoot, it seems like, and that's really all we know. To your point, Kraft, the Grizzlies have maintained still a bit more flexibility. They have a main roster spot. They also have a two-way, since it's a draft and stash, and so we're coming out of the draft with basically just one two-way filled uh, with a project and... Um, a Guterich protege ready to go in a couple of years. So, um, but yeah, this is, we, we are now at the point where I believe we, we might be out of the draft phase, like you were yeah. saying, and, and really into, into the next phase, which is, uh, we have our, we're going to have our three best players on max or near max contracts. And, how do you how do you deal with your mid level guys and then down to your rookies and and making very important decisions here upcoming especially as some extensions start to be eligible with some of your rookie scale contracts and so um, I still don't think the Grizzlies are done uh, they yeah. still got to fill a roster spot and what they decide to do with it will be uh, incredibly interesting yeah I mean we have uh, you know and we might we might find that uh, that. You know, we might wake up tomorrow morning and we've kind of signed another player or something like that. We like to do so. It's, it's interesting because these are the trends. The trends have been us moving up in the draft. The, the trend has been when the draft is over, us immediately signing a couple guys to like summer league contracts two ways. So it'll be interesting to see if that trend continues or not. But it definitely looks like at this point we're going into free agency with a roster spot open with a two way open. And um, and like you said, I don't think we're done either. I think probably some kind of consolidation trade. Um, we still, I feel like, just have probably too many young players. So I could see us uh, 
trying to upgrade to at least one more veteran wing. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see if it, we'll see if we can do it. Thanks for sticking with us for our annual live draft reaction podcast. I'm glad we had some interesting stuff yeah. to discuss. Well, and, and one and the one big thing coming out is I'll say at this point, and again, obviously we're going to have a free agency preview and free agency talk, but I'll say this coming out of so far of a lot of the potential trades, some big names were thrown around for the top picks as well as we've had a few uh, Bradley Beal to get traded a, you know, Chris Paul to the Warriors. We've had some of these big trades. I would say that of all those trades, I mean, this might be a Homer thing. I would say that we had the most, uh, that, that us in Boston probably had the two biggest trades and that I think, you know, uh, could end up uh, really putting us over the top in certain ways. And we'll see with Chris Stapps, Brzingis. I'm still kind of trying to think through that Celtics pick. But as far as our peers, I just, I, I don't, you know, I, do, I didn't love the Suns-Bill trade. I think the Suns are more and more just really putting themselves in danger of having very little future and flexibility uh, going forward. I don't think they got better than us personally. And, uh, and, and, and I don't think the warriors by getting Chris Paul like improved in any way from the team that won the title two years ago. I don't think they're still, I think not really there. They still just don't have the role players and other things. And so in that sense, I think coming at this point, I feel like the status quo has been kind of been maintained that, that we're sort of, uh, that I don't know that I don't know if we're on the Denver level, uh, but it doesn't seem like any of our other kind of peers in the West have kind of surpassed us or nothing happened in the draft to make you go, oh, we got to watch out for this team. In fact, a team like OKC that I thought was making a jump made another just like taking on bad contracts move. So, yep. you know, so I'd say that, you know, coming out of the draft, I feel like Grizzlies fans should feel great. We got a gr- we got a great playoff rotation player, um, elite role player. Um, and nobody else around us really got better. Well, it's almost midnight here, and we'll see if if uh, you know Kleiman makes any comments or we have any other breaking news. But if not, this has been a fun night, despite the the lack of action. Um, but for Kraft, I'm Will. Thanks for joining us. We will be back with you very soon.